We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy Hill. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is the Benedict for the shot. If anybody gonna come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast. And just like that, after an in-season tournament championship game, the Pacers are back in action. They're in Detroit. They take care of business 131-123 behind the play of Benedict Matherin. Fachi is here to talk with me about this game. Fachi, good win for the Pacers. Yeah, that's one way to put it. I mean, it would have been an embarrassing loss if it happened, but I just felt like... Yeah, 20th loss I, in a row for Detroit. 20th loss in a row for Detroit. You know, I don't think you or I would have ever thought this when, you know, the, the Pistons were winning championships and after the Mouse of the Palace and all that piece, everything was so great for them. Nothing's been good ever since. But this was a game that you had to have. How are you going to respond after the in-season tournament loss in the championship to the Lakers well, we saw this Pacers team shoot it, you know, shoot it as hot as could be, about 74% in the first quarter, but Detroit still managed to really hang around for a decent chunk of this game, but nonetheless, the Pacers got the win. They sure did, Fachi, and I think we should start off with Benedict Matherin just because he had an awesome game tonight. He was locked in, he, he was did. focused, he had 30 points. He had seven rebounds, and he had a career high, eight assists. He was fantastic in this game. In 30 minutes, he was a plus eight. Uh, excuse me, in 37 minutes, he was a plus eight. So you just love seeing that, and you love seeing how Rick Carlisle kind of allowed him to continue to play and, and made rotations different and, and kept him out there longer because of the play of, that he was playing at. He was playing at such a high level. Yeah, he really was, and he is exactly where we have to start because this is that kind of performance for Benedict Mather. You could maybe took a little bit for granted last year, not the assists total because that's that's a career high. That's awesome to see. But the 30 points, it was something he was doing a lot more often last year. And this is best 
game of the season. One of the best games I think he's had in his first two seasons mm. because the ball movement, it, it was there in a time where it's been there more often this year than in the past. But eight assists, you can't overlook it. I felt that Matherin threw this team on his back in the first half. He had 16 points. But if you want to just talk about how he finished the game, second half, 14 points, five boards, five assists. It was a complete game for Benedict Matherin and a very encouraging performance because you know how the fans have been. People have been really starting to sour on Matherin. That's back-to-back games where I feel that he's he's brought it. Against the Lakers, he also had 20 points. So nice to see him start to get in a little bit of a rhythm. Yeah, that's back-to-back games where he's been a leading scorer. So that's good mm-hmm. to see. Obviously, Tyrese had 22 against the Lakers, but you know Matherin had 20 as well. So I just think that this is the kind of performance when you see it from Matherin. It gets you excited because everybody that has been on the Matherin bandwagon and believes that he is potentially that number two guy next to Tyrese. Now, me and you both have been very adamant that we don't know if he is that number two guy yet. We've been more kind of like maybe a third guy. But I think tonight is why fans get excited and hopeful for why he could be that number two guy. I'm trying to not overthink this just because it was the Detroit Pistons. It is a team that has lost now 20 games in a row that Matherin had this breakout performance in. I just want to see see that more consistently from Matherin before I'm ready to jump on the bandwagon and say, okay, he can really do it. I, I don't want to be dismissive of what he did tonight because it was special. And I think that he's continuing to kind of showcase who he is as a player and, and figure out how to fit into the system. But I don't know if you were able to hear the post-game press conference with Jeremiah Johnson or anything like that, but you know that sideline interview was great, and I thought that Matherin had an awesome answer because JJ was like, "Look, you know, you had a twenty-point game against the Lakers. Is that a building block for you? You know, having a good performance like that?" He said, "I don't think it's about the points. It's about how I come in the game and impact the game. At the end of the day, all I want to do is win. If I have to score thirty, if I have to grab seven rebounds or twenty-five rebounds, the main goal is for me to win and do whatever it takes." So. I love that attitude from him, but it also sounds a lot like Rick Carlisle and what he has been preaching to everybody when he's been talking about Matherin, and especially when people have been frustrated with his minutes. Nearly brought a tear to my eye. That is the exact answer you want to hear from a guy like Benedict Matherin, who you know wants to score, but there's so much more to the game than just scoring, and I just feel like the type of performance that he had tonight he wasn't having last year. I know I mentioned he you know, might have been dropping 30, but the rebounding wasn't there last year. The assists, like tonight, was not there last year. So great to see him being more of a well-rounded player. And I think he knows that that's what he needs to do in order to stay on the court, especially in meaningful minutes. And I think the Matherin slander, it, it's been pretty wild this year. I had a friend who texted me the other day. He is a Knicks fan, so take it with a grain of salt. He said, does Matherin stink? And I went, what? I was like, no, he doesn't stink. I was like, well, he's only averaging under 14 points. I'm like, I get it, but this team is better. They're looking for him to do more than just score. And tonight was that example of that. The 30 points is fantastic. But the eight eight assists, that's what had me doing a double take. At one point, once he got to six assists, I was like, wow, I didn't even realize he has that many assists. Then when he kept going, I was like, okay, this is just a career performance from him. So I was really happy with what I saw. But that quote that you mentioned, I mean, that might have made me even happier. Yeah, for sure. And I will say this. um, Part of the reason I think Matherin has benefited a little bit more recently by playing with the second unit is just being able to see the basketball a little bit more. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is 
He ended up making a layup to put the Pacers up by eight, 107 to 99, Fachi, with about nine minutes and 40 seconds left in the game. That was the last basket that he made. And it was the second to last shot that he actually took in the game. He made, he took one more layup and missed it when it was 107 101. And the Pacers ended up making a bunch of substitutions. Tyrese, Bruce Brown, and Miles Turner came into the game. Mather didn't shoot the ball the rest of the game. And I, I think that that's kind of uh, a small sample size, obviously, in just this game. But I think it also kind of tells you why it's kind of hard for him because he goes from kind of being the offensive initiator, getting him the ball, finding actions for him to get the ball. And then they kind of just went away from that after he had the hot hand and gave the Tyrese, let him kind of do his thing. And Matherin's just kind of standing in the corner, not doing a whole lot. So I think that they needed to find a better balance, especially when he's going hot like this to get him more looks. But it was like, I don't feel like the Pistons were overplaying him either. Like, yeah, they were tight on him, but like, it wasn't like they were overplaying him that he couldn't get open. And a lot of the actions went to the other side of the court with Buddy and Bruce and, and Miles and Tyrese. And it's like, that was one of the guys that was part of that five right there besides Buddy. You know, Buddy wasn't a part of that original starting five, but it kind of makes you realize like, okay, he's been cooking. Why don't you keep feeding him the basketball like you would anybody else on the team? And especially with Tyrese out there, like Tyrese is going to draw that attention. So like, just run a two-man action, three-man action with him, Turner and, and Matherin. But no, he just kind of got stuck there in the corner and he ended up getting some free throws at the end of the game, but I was just a little bit disappointed to see when the starters kind of came back in with him. He really didn't get much of a look. That's a good point, and I think that is tough because, I mean, there's there's a lot of very capable scorers out there with those starters, so he obviously could have had, had a, a more special game, but nonetheless, I am happy with the performance, and you talked about the tension that Tyrese draws. I, I thought the Pistons played good defense on him the first half. I felt that this was another half where Tyrese wasn't, able to really get in flow two of six in the first half. I mean, the assists, he had eight eight assists, but the turnovers, it was, it was a bit of a messy game for Tyrese. But he finished with six turnovers. Seven, That's something actually. you're not used to. Seven, okay, all right. So, unfortunately, even worse. The seven uh, turnovers, I believe, is a season high because he had yeah. six turnovers against the Hawks earlier. But that's not a typical game because for, for – for Halliburton by any means, because there was a stretch where he just had 28 assists to zero turnovers. So for him to have seven in one game, usually that takes him about a week. So it just shows that he, whatever it was, the Pistons were able to take him out of his flow. But in the second half, I felt that Halliburton, well, specifically the fourth quarter, Halliburton pours in eight points, ends up finishing the game with, was it 16 assists? Yeah, 16 assists, 14 points. He had... Seven turnovers, but he also had two blocks and a steal, four rebounds. He was a plus eight for the game. Um, he was kind of getting into it with Beef Stew a little bit. I don't know if you were able to see any of that, but that I was really I saw that. Funny. I did, yep. Uh, Beef Stew guarded him. Not a guy pretty. you want to get into it with. <laughs> it, it was funny because Beef Stew actually guarded him pretty well on one play, and when he knocked Halliburton down, he kind of stared at Halliburton. Like, he blocked a shot or something like that, and he just kind of stared at Halliburton, mean-mugged him for like a second, and then ran back down the court. Well, then later Tyrese crossed him up and hit a three on him. And so the two were talking back and forth. And I don't know if Tyrese Halliburton saw Beef Stew go at LeBron James. I don't think Beef Stew is the guy that I'd be wanting to pick up fight with. Um, and I kind of thought about no. that during the game. You know, I'm like, this Pistons team is trash. They're, they're just not a good basketball team. And they have good players on them. But I just don't think they have the right infrastructure right now to, to build something special. And I'm not totally sold on Monty Williams as the guy that should be the ringleader for that team. But Beef Stew. A lot of money. Lot lot of money. Of, well, that's a. I thought that was the worst coaching signing in a long time. I mean, <laughs> I'll you, admit you didn't like it from the start. I, I definitely remember that. I remember it was that. awful. I mean, what did he do with Phoenix? 
their team the team regressed under him. And they had Kevin Durant. He, yeah, he can't I he, mean, at that point. I feel like he loses the locker room, and I think there's a reason why. And I'm not I'm just speculating from what I've seen from the outside. It feels like he kind of plays favorites. And he's getting a little bit of a pass because he's had a long time uh NBA career playing, being an assistant, coaching elsewhere. But like imagine if like you know, it kind of felt like how Nate Bjorkman kind of treated the players here. And players just felt uh, that that's a lot. It's not as bad, obviously, but like. Yeah, that was bad. That he, I mean. The disconnect that he has had with people. It's like how many players have had like a little bit of a tiff with him, like Jaden Ivey this year, like in the first season. Like he definitely. didn't even talk to Jaden Ivey about coming off the bench after he was a starter last year. Yeah, I didn't like that. How do you I not have like communication that. with your players in the offseason? Same with DeAndre Ayton. Like. That, that to me, just like, even if Aiden is kind of a headache. That's a good point because that sounded like I could not believe that they just like didn't speak for like a whole summer and then that led into the year. So that is a great point because that relationship, I could not believe it had gone that south. So mm. foul point. Anyway, we're, we're talking too much about the Pistons. They lost 20 in a row. I don't really care about the Pistons. But Beef Stew. Is that somebody you would like on the Pacers? Somebody like a beef stew? Yeah, you need an enforcer. The Pacers need some toughness. And I just feel like there was a recent voting. I mean, I don't remember what it was, but the players voted on it, of like players that you wouldn't want to mess with. And he was the name that came up the most. Yeah. That that happened like about a week ago. The Pacers don't have anyone like that. They had that last year with James Johnson. James Johnson didn't really need to be on the court, but it was everybody knew, oh, no, 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 you don't mess with James Johnson. And, and I just feel like Udonis Haslam was another one of those guys. Like, Beef Stew, like, he's bringing toughness. Pacers right now, who's the tough guy on the team? I, I don't know. Like Neesmith, that's I it. Wanna, that's what I was, was going to say, but, like, Neesmith's like playing tough. Like, is he going to be an enforcer? Like, I don't think so. I think he's going to play tough defense. Beef Stew, that is some, that's one of the last guys you want to get in a tussle with. That yeah, I would say. When when you think about that Lakers game and just how much we got bullied down low, I'm not saying Beef Stew's like this big stopper or anything like that, but just six foot seven, six foot eight guy that I think he actually defends pretty well in space. Like yeah. for how big that he is, he moves his feet well. Like Tyrese wasn't able just to get right by him, but I feel like he would also be really good defensively down low, just battling against like an Anthony Davis. Like he's going to probably get six fouls in like 20 minutes, but I would live yes. with that just because he's making Anthony Davis work for it. So we don't really need a beef stew. I mean, we can maybe use some depth at the power four, maybe a little bit stronger of a player. Like if I could trade Jordan Wara for beef stew, I would do it in a heartbeat, right? Uh, yes. That kind of a deal. Absolutely. But I'm not trading anything of a significant value for beef stew because I don't think beef stew's a starting forward in this league. I think he's a backup. And, and he's having to do quite a bit yes. for the Pistons. So it's just like I just love quite the a lot. Nasty, he, man. I love the toughness. He's He's a starter on a team that's lost 20 straight games. Yeah. Uh, but in this game, you know, one thing one thing that I do want to give Detroit a compliment of is Sar Thompson. I really like him. I really He's like star, him. Man. And, and, I mean, 20 points tonight, six boards. But I just think that he does a lot of stuff well. You know, block, get a steal. And, like, I just feel like how overblown was it about the Thompson Twins? They can't shoot. You know, I don't know about them. And now you look at this, and it's like we're getting no production out of Jarris Walker. And we just missed out on a Sar Thompson. I know that that it seemed that the Pacers had interest. Obviously, that, that workout gets canceled late or, or whatever it was. Detroit ends up going, and they, they take him before the Pacers even get a shot. 
Adam, but that would have been a player that I think would have been great in Indiana for years to come. And I think that that's really unfortunate. So I feel like I was kind of window shopping, looking at him like, man, what could have been? I think that would have been awesome, but obviously we know it didn't work out that way. Well, and I mean, a good point on uh, Sartops and, and, and Jairus Walker kind of comparing the two. You know, Jairus Walker, the Pacers, I think the Pacers probably take a Sar Thompson if he's still on the board at, at seven or eight. I think so. Especially if he's there at seven, I doubt they trade back to eight. I, I think they would have just taken him. But at the same time, you know, Jairus Walker, the reason he's not playing is because He's just not as ready. But I don't think that would be the case for Asar Thompson if he was drafted to the Pacers. I think he would actually have found a way to get into the rotation because I think he's a little bit more ready. And I just think he's a little bit more talented mm-hmm. overall. I worry about Jairus Walker's offense, and I think that could be part of the problem he's not playing. But I just think that the Pacers feel more comfortable with Obi Toppin and, and Aaron Eatsman at this point. But uh, I want to jump back to the Pacers real quick because obviously Miles Turner, we kind of rode him hard after that performance that he had. And it was not a good one. There's a lot of people that talked about that. You know, Thankfully, that game doesn't count because it was bad. But I thought he had a great bounce-back game, Fachi. 10 of 15 from the floor, 23 points, 8 rebounds, only got 2 fouls, which was great. Had 3 blocks, you know, was a little bit more impactful. This one, plus 12, I think that was the best of anybody on the team. So, you know, Miles Turner in 31 minutes, pretty good bounce-back game for him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That really was seven points in the fourth quarter. I felt that Turner was someone that, that brought it. And he needed him to. And you wanted to see how could he respond. And he did. I, I think that Turner was was one of the, the definite bright spots for this Pacers team. I mean, last game we mentioned, didn't have a block against the Lakers. The three tonight, awesome to see. Um, you know, I, I was encouraged by that performance. 
Nice to see Buddy bounce back as well. Buddy had, I think it was 11 at halftime, finishes the game with 16 points, but 6 of 9 shooting and 4 of 7 from 3. You knew eventually he would get it going. It is, like I said, with everything you could basically say, it is Detroit. You know, you wanted Buddy to show up a little <laughs> bit more against, you know, the ball, you know, the, the Milwaukee's and, uh, you know, and the Lakers. But nonetheless, I, I hope that Buddy can put together a string of better performances. And Bruce Brown rebounded well. Nine boards tonight. Uh, the shot wasn't falling as much as four of 11. Nine rebounds out of any pacer you can't complain about. So that was good to see. But then, Alex, what about the guy that we really didn't see tonight in Obi Toppin? I mean, in a blink of an eye, I didn't realize how long he had been out. I don't believe Obi Toppin came back in whenever he, he I mean, 12, 12 minutes in this game. I, yeah. I felt like that was that was interesting. Was there anything that you saw that maybe was like, what led to this? Not necessarily. I mean, wasn't great defensively, obviously. Um, yeah, kind of looked like Casper out there, you know, a ghost. But yep. I just, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like he was fine. I don't really think like it's the Pistons, and it's like nobody really played that bad. But I maybe his energy was just a little bit down. I, I thought he had some good like transition baskets as well. I know Tyrese fed him on a couple of dunks there, so it's like okay, I don't really think. He was that bad, and I mean, it wasn't like they were playing Neesmith a ton of extra minutes. You know, Neesmith played 27. That feels about normal for him. They did go a little bit smaller. They played Buddy Hield once again over 30 minutes because Rick Carlisle can't help himself. No matter how good or bad the team's doing, Buddy Hield's going to play 30 minutes a game. And then Bruce Brown played 37 minutes, so it was kind of like they went a little bit smaller. I know Detroit did go a little bit smaller too, so maybe they were kind of just, you know, counter, you know, responding to what the what the Pistons were doing, but you know, I didn't think Toppin played like a terrible game. But I don't think he really did much. He was only in there for 12 minutes, like you said. So he just didn't really get back in, I think, in the second and fourth quarters that much. I, I could be wrong on the minutes, but it just feel like he really didn't come back into the game. And that's part of the reason why when Ben Matherin gets 30 points and they're playing him 37 minutes, it kind of adjusted and, and put Bruce Brown back in more at the four than playing Obi. And then Neesmith kind of rotated in. They're a little bit as well, but you know, you touch on you touched on the point that was really big, and that was Buddy Hill getting the shooting shook back, you know, four or seven tonight from three, six and nine from the field. But the team in general still didn't shoot the ball particularly well. They they shot okay, but 13 of 31 from three for 41.9%. That's good. That's a good percentage. You can look at it. 42% feels low. 13 yeah. made threes feels hey, low. I know. It does because I think you're used to seeing the Pacers shoot up like about 40-plus threes. Yeah. So the 30, 31 attempts, a little bit low. I thought the Pacers fouled a lot. I mean, Detroit goes to line 30. They shoot 30 free throws in this game. Yeah. Uh, 20, one point, 20 to 18 on they, foul calls. Yeah. At one point, it was like 27 free throw attempts for Detroit to about, I want to say like seven or eight for, for the Pacers before the Pacers end up getting more free throws later in the fourth. But um, I bet that that was keeping Detroit alive in this game. Let's be honest. This is a Detroit team that averages just under 109 points. They scored 123. Yeah. I mean, they shot 55% from the field. So not what you want to see. But I want to give a quick shout-out to Chase Hoops. You can see him on Twitter, always tweeting about the Pacers. He brought it up to me. He was right. The loophole in the system, Alex the Pacers remain undefeated 8-0 when Aaron Neesmith scores a double-digit figures because it didn't count against the Los Angeles Lakers. So how about that? How Neesmith about that? does it tonight with 13 points and the streak is alive. The loophole oh. in the system. 
Are we uh, are we counting this as a four game winning streak, Fachi? I think we're counting it as a four game winning streak. I don't know. We're so like, what do you do? But technically, it is a four game winning that, streak, even what, if it doesn't feel like it. That's what the stats say on ESPN. The Pacers are on that's a four game winning streak. Okay, so you can't argue with that. If you don't agree with it, don't blame us. Blame the rules. Okay, that's how they have it. Also on a four game winning streak, the Chicago Bulls. Surprising, <laughs> I think so. Yes, <laughs> yeah. No, Zach Levine. They're winning games. Shocker. Let's go trade yep. for Bachi. He's a winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, exactly. No, but I, I, I do want to just touch quickly. You know, Tyrese Halliburton. Obviously, we talked about him a little bit. Not having a great game, but still, fourteen and sixteen was able to make some big shots there at the end of the game. Like, obviously, Tyrese does what he does. I mean, we're not going to overpraise him for what he did, but like, just still was really impactful in a game where you felt like he wasn't nearly as impactful. Um, Isaiah Jackson, I thought he gave some good minutes again. Maybe yeah. he could have, you know, I think he was the only one with the bad plus minus was a minus four in the mm-hmm. game, but still, I mean, I, I thought he played pretty decent in the minutes that he did play 10 points, five of six shooting, but we got to just kind of close this thing out. Just, just talking quickly about TJ McConnell and the backup point guard minutes. You know, once again, I feel like he provides the energy that they need. And didn't take a lot of bad shots in this game. And I felt like, you know, he wasn't as impactful maybe as he had been in a couple of games ago, and especially in the in-season tournament. Like, he had some really nice moments there. But I think this is kind of like the leverage of, like, having this type of player on your roster when he wasn't in the rotation and just being able to just find a way to continue to be ready. And I think that's a big thing about McConnell. It talks about his professionalism. You know, no Nimhard now, and, like, you really need to rely on him. Like, he's not moping about it. Like, he's just been a great teammate and he stepped up when he's been called upon. And I, I just, I've really been impressed with the ma- maturity and the professionalism of TJ McConnell. He's a, a pro's pro. I mean, he's as professional as it gets. And I know in the beginning of the year, it felt like having three point guards was too much. Like, Oh man, let's, let's, let's trade McConnell for two second round picks. I don't, what are those two second round picks doing for the Pacers this year? It would have been nothing. We got four no picks contributions year, at all. Four. We we have enough picks. Having McConnell, especially in a scenario where Nemhard has been in and out of the lineup, it's been various injuries. I feel for him. He's had just a different issue dating back to the summer. Um, and it was with kidney stones. He had um, I mean, it's obviously now it's the knee. He had, it was a back injury back at injury. one point. That's what he exactly. missed time for. Him. He's had a, f- a few different injuries. So to have McConnell, to, who's always ready, it's huge. Because it might just be a spark for a couple of minutes. It might be him impacting a game in 20 minutes. Whatever it is, he stays ready. He is ready. He he delivers to the Pacers night in, night out when needed. And right now, he is needed with no Andrew Nemark. For sure. And I mean, I just I just wanted to give him a shout out because I know we've been a little bit hard on him back and forth here with just some of the stuff that he's done. But you know, you, you got to give him credit. And like a game like this, like he. You need that energy, especially when Tyrese is struggling with turnovers, you know, had eight assists like we talked about in the first quarter, I think it was. But it was just like, you know, you needed McConnell to come in there and kind of just give Tyrese a break and not make Tyrese expend so many minutes. Like 33 minutes for Tyrese feels pretty fair considering all the minutes he's had to play the last couple of games, especially against Milwaukee and Boston and and the Lakers in the championship. Like you needed to make sure you didn't overburn Tyrese Halliburton, especially with a big game in Milwaukee. But um, I felt like the game was won at the end of the second quarter going into the third. The Pacers were down by four points. I believe the score was 61 to 57. And it was. At, the, at the nine minute mark, 
the Pistons called a timeout in the third quarter after coming out of half. During that stretch, the final three minutes of the second quarter and the first three minutes of the third, the Pacers outscored Detroit 18 to four. And a lot yeah. of that was from Ben Matherin, but I mean, it was just a, gr- a group effort to get to that point. But I just thought that 18 to four run really flipped the script for the Pacers and, and just kind of allowed them to get that extra breathing room they needed after kind of getting themselves down in that second quarter to Detroit. And it's like, what are we doing? How are we getting down to this team? And they were able to keep Detroit, you know, from really going on any big run during that moment. So I thought that was really special. No, it was in specific. It was a 9-0 run to end the first half because I remember being like, we're going to trail to Detroit. Like, why Why can't anything be easy for the yeah. Pacers? Like, why are we playing down to the competition once again? And I was like, I started already getting ahead of myself and being like, we're going to be the team that Detroit breaks the streak against. Like, this happened to us last year when they lost a zillion games in a row and then they beat the Pacers. But that run that you mentioned, the 9-0 run to end the first half, the 18-4 run to, you know, overall into the third quarter. They, I think that was the difference in the game because I felt the Pacers always had at least some sort of lead after that that they were able to hold on to. Even if the game was close, you never felt like you were absolutely in danger at that point, you know, that the Pacers were able to maintain. So a win is a win. Nonetheless, no one's going to remember down the line, well, you know, you were trailing at some point. Nope, you beat Detroit. You move on to 13-8. and eight. Alex, I, I still I feel good about this Pacers team right now. No, they're not perfect, but they're on their way towards something. And for that, man, there's just a, a little bit of a different vibe to this team coming off that in-season tournament. It feels like the ceiling's been raised a bit. Yeah, your expectations are much higher for this team than they were to start the year off. And it's just like you come into this game and it's like, man, it feels so like underwhelming. I agree. Watching Indiana go from playing in a championship game to two days later playing Detroit <laughs> on the road, a team that's lost 19 games in a row. I can't stress it enough. Now they've lost 20. I mean, they just lost 20 games in a row. I mean, that's so bad. The month of November, like they didn't get one win. They were going to be on the same path in December. Like I don't even know when they meet up with Washington, but that's like their only chance to maybe get a win. I mean, this is going to be a long. And they already season. lost to them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I'm just saying that's like their best chance to win, though. This is a long season yep. for Detroit. And I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of Pistons fans on my timeline uh, and guys that cover the team just saying, like, if this team like finishes with like 14 wins, under 20 wins, I got to fire everybody from top to bottom and rebuild this thing. And I'm like, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, that's just that's just unacceptable, especially where they're at with their rebuild. Like, how many first round picks they've had? Now, that was their third pick in a row in like the top five or six. So that's that's problematic. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't want to, <laughs> it's not a Pistons podcast, you know, but. I will just say I'm glad the Pacers have a a infrastructure that allowed them to kind of go in a little bit of the tank, but look where they're at now. Like it could be a lot worse if things had gone sour and you fully embrace a a completely tear down of a team and rebuild and trying to get the number one pick. The Pacers have done a really good job of rebuilding kind of on the fly a little bit and establishing that they needed a point guard. They got out and got Tyrese Halliburton. It was huge pickup. And now we're feeling really confident because this team has ascended into a top six, top seven team in the Eastern Conference. You feel that. You really don't think like this is a team that's going to take a step back. Do they have the roster to win a seven-game series? Yes, I think they could, depending upon the opponent. But to get to the championship, probably not this year. But that's okay. I would rather take little steps like this each year to get closer to it than to be where the Pistons are at right now. 
Exactly. Where the Pistons are at right now, I'm sorry, but there's there can't be anyone that believes there's any coming back from that and salvaging this season in any way. It's already way too late. I looked at their schedule. It's brutal. They play Philly twice. They got Milwaukee in there, then, then the Hawks. It's like there's really the, the, the Jazz. The Hawks are, in there is a tough game after you bash uh, At this point, I mean, I was nowhere where you were as high on the Hawks. But when you look at this, it's like the Jazz are the only potential winnable game for Detroit in their next like 10 to 15 games. So it's going to be really ugly. I think this is going to be probably the longest losing streak that we've witnessed in maybe like 10 years or so. I remember when LeBron left Cleveland, that Cavs team was horrific. I mean, they lost maybe close to 30 games in a row. I feel like this Pistons team is not that bad, but the losing streak could be in that category. They're, They're good players. They're just so young. I think they've got a great young squad there. Yeah, I, really I agree. In their young core of Ivy and Cunningham and Thompson. Jalen Duran. Jalen Dur- I love Jalen Duran. I think Jalen Duran's a I've always player. liked him, and he's still he, one of the youngest players in the league. He's a monster. I mean, he's going to be very, very, very good um, once he can stay healthy and just get a nice – I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with their coaching situation. Like, maybe he stays, maybe he doesn't, but, like, that's it's a lot, lot of money. Paid too much money. Too much money. Well, the year one, like – what are they got to ride it? They weren't out at least another. Yeah, I don't think they were. I think they just were tired of losing and were just like, this is a guy who, who's, you know, coached at the highest level of, you know, championship caliber teams. Like, yeah. he'll, he'll get the culture together, get everybody like that. So, so far, I mean, I just don't think that you could say, like, okay, well, could he have done worse? I, I don't think so. The only way for the Pistons to be worse right now is for them to really not have a win. So I think that things have been way worse than anyone could have possibly imagined. And, yeah, at this point, look, I'm happy that that's not us. We're going yeah. through a, a short rebuild and on the come up. And for that, I'm really, really excited. I love where this Pacers team is at. I love where it's at, too. And they're going to have themselves a very tough game Wednesday night, 8 o'clock tip-off against the Milwaukee Bucks, a team they eliminated the week prior to that in the in-season tournament semifinals to get to the the championship game so you know dame lillard he's gonna be ready it was dame time he did not play great in that game Giannis is just gonna feast like he always does and we're gonna have to see how the bucks defend tyrese halliburton after brooke lopez got put in the blender time and time again so i think it's gonna be a fun one i'm just hoping the pace are up for it and they're not a little bit too tired because basically a two-week road trip is a very tough thing to go through in an nba schedule but you know, Pacers are just taking care of business. They've not lost a game yet during this road trip. Um, the Lakers game does not count, ladies and gentlemen. So, Fachi doesn't count. Doesn't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't. It doesn't count against the record. We can't help it. But Fachi, just go ahead. Let's close this one out. Tell the people where they can find us at. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Pacers Pod STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F. F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Set the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. We can find all of our video content. Unfortunately, just like the Pacers-Lakers game vanished into the ether, so did the post-game video for YouTube. So that one will not be out there. I probably could have posted it, but... I was very tired that night and did not feel like doing that. So you will get this game recap on the YouTube page, but the Lakers game did not count, so I cannot put that one up there. But with that being said, 
If you're excited for the Pacers to get this winning streak to five games and play the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday night, then Flachi, hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.